called thought retention and what we're going to examine or ask ourselves is what is our role in the perfecting process of Jesus? Do we have a role in this work that he's doing and that he's going to complete in us until the end, until he returns, right? And uh, I came away with some thoughts. Um, How overpowering is the enticement to indulge in our prior sins. You know, is it overwhelming? Was it ever? Is it, is it now? Is it going to be? I'll tell you, it will increase if we distance ourselves from God. That desire will increase if we turn our backs and, and walk away, along with all kinds of havoc and craziness, right? And then, um, so considering the people that don't, aren't believers, that don't uh, uh, subscribe to God, and uh, that are, you know, they're not saved, they're refusing the gospel, uh, their reasons for re- refusing to indulge in sin are different than the believer, right? So they, they don't want to get busted. I'm not saying we don't want to get busted when we sin, but what I'm saying is that this could be the quintessential reason for a non-believer When they sin, it's not that they're disobedient to God because they're not ascribing to this God, right? They they don't want to get busted. They don't want to hurt people. They have this nature. I don't want to hurt my wife out committing adultery. I'm not going to stop committing adultery. I'm just going to work hard at stopping her from knowing, right? Right. Yeah, because I, I don't want to. Yeah. All right, so this this is the reasons, these are reasons why unbelievers would, um, would you know, would, would um, resist criminal and sinful behavior. You know, being busted, lo- losing their dreams and goals. If I'm cheating to get somewhere, you know, I want something through finagling and, and deception and stuff like that. Well, I don't want to get busted there either. I want to achieve my goal, right? And... Um, then, like being sentenced, there will be some some um, <clears throat> sorrow there if I got busted and went to jail. And then, um, but overall, I'm trying to make up and live by my own standards because until you come to God, you think you're okay, right? It, you know, it's, it's when, when you look in the face of a holy God, you start to see, woe is me, right? So uh, now then those that do ascribe to God, what are our reasons for refusing to indulge in our former behavior, right? And the present offer and the future imagination because we think sinfully and thinking later on what could happen, playing those tapes out and making a movie just um, specific to our own personal desires, right? And playing the film out in our our imagination. So... um, True believers are looking for ways, true believers want to look for ways to serve God's purposes, okay? This this is what we want to do. We have someone that is our standard, that is our um, highest power, so to speak, that is our Lord, that that he created everything. We're not, we we, will be empowered trying to resist the pull to sin because we're resisting it for him. So when you told yourself, oh, I'm never going to do this or that, and you ended up doing it, it was your own standard. Then you prayed. I even prayed about it. I prayed, Lord, help me, and he didn't help me. Well, it was your own reputation you were trying to preserve, perhaps, right? It wasn't necessarily him you were trying to honor. But when we, when we try to honor him, then we're empowered by the power of heaven, right? And then we can achieve these things because we're trying to serve God, okay? So, um, true believers are looking for ways to serve God's purposes. They have God's wishes on their minds, okay? In other words, they're empowered by that dunamis power. So, sin from both ends can lead to sorrow and ultimately death. Okay, sinful groan leads to death, right? That's what the scripture says. Bless the Lord. Um, sorrow for being busted on both hands, sorrow for the pain I've caused others, my wife and kids, sorrow for myself, you know, all just sorry, sorry, sorry. 
my brother talked about, my, my oldest brother talked about the denizens of hell and, um, and his explanation was, and I think I heard somewhere else some, somebody saying this, but, you know, the cry is, is not just torment from the heat and everything, but it's the inability to have again your sinful lusts and cravings. You, you'll, you'll, it, look, you left here going to a place that you'd be detached from God, which gives us the beauty that we send in, okay? <laughs> All the pleasure around our sin, right? But so we're separated from that and then we're separated from the very thing that caused us to be separated from him is our sin without our savior, right? So now we're in hell wishing we could again, right? Never to taste that again, okay? There's some commentaries that believe that the taste of the drop on the parable of the... Um, the rich man saying, have Lazarus put, 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 put his finger in the water to cool my tongue. It's just a drip, a drop, right? Is because he wants to taste his craving again, right? His craving. And his craving could have been power in elitism, you know, if you think about it, because he was very rich. And how can you be that rich with a poor dying man at your door? You know, how, how can you, so he, he, he even says this in the parable, um, have Lazarus dip his hand like he's my servant dog, right, right? So he still has a mindset in hell, right, that's craving his earthly desire. So um, I tend to believe uh, um, my brother's analogy there, and, um, you know, I tend to go with that. So I remember I'm older. We all older except for Pastor Jamie. We have to just, yeah, yeah, we all older. We're all his step, uh, what we call godparents, okay? So, uh, but like my mom used to say, he has an old soul, you, you know. So his soul is older than ours, right? All right, all right, all right. So, but um, he made, sometimes when I drop um, old movies and stuff, he's seen them. Or especially old artists, he knows about them, right? So, um, but I saw this Twilight, I saw this Twilight Zone episode. Did you guys see the one where uh, Lucifer or Satan was locked in jail? Remember? You, you saw it, Linda? Okay, so it was a Twilight Zone episode, uh, episode where the monks had Lucifer locked in jail. And so this guy ended up stumbling in there because he was lost in the woods. And then um, he wanted to stay there and the monks didn't want him there because they knew they had Satan locked up. In, in, in one of the chambers. And so before they put him out, he heard screaming, oh, oh, and he said, what's that? And it was Satan crying to get unlocked, right? Okay, so we all know that Satan has some freedom. Now, that's just a, um, a, 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 a what is Twilight Zone, a series, okay? But um, I, I thought about that when I was thinking about um, the Euphrates that's actually drying up now. Remember that, that okay? And then what they're saying is, is that when you go down, that's prophetic, first of all. And the, the Bible in Revelations does speak of, it says in Revelations 9, 14, the sixth angel who had the trumpet released the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. So four angels are bound there. That means they got put there. It was a sentence. They're there now. While we have other angels or demons running around the place, according to Revelation, here are four that are bound. Okay, so why? For some great craziness they're going to do here when they're released, right? But the funny thing is, is that looking at one documentary, well, several of them, are, are asking, what's this noise coming from underneath there? And you hear this moaning noise. I don't know if you guys have seen it on YouTube. Write to me. I'll send it to you. Yeah, right? All this noise, Right? Now, this could very well be some earthly event, or it could literally be the sound of demons waiting to get out. And we talked about, um, and I'm not into the hocus pocus stuff, okay? But we talked about, uh, at Bible study, we talked about um, the, the, the demons that were in this man called Legion. And what they didn't want is to be confined to hell. Right? Don't, to, to Hades. 
please don't send us there, was there, right? So obviously they know what there is all about. And then here's some sounds coming out of there that sounds grievous, you know, so they would rather be in me or you or someone here, right? Than to be bound, right? This is what they don't want. So um, the moanings and groanings coming up from the earth, well, the Bible does speak about. This whole earth is, is, is mourning and moaning and, and groaning. Um, I could imagine that uh, demons locked away and that they can't do their dirty work right now would be anxious to get out and, and be released to do more havoc. That doesn't mean all demons are bound. That means those are, right, for the, waiting for the great day. So anyway, <clears throat> um, I have bouts with being resisting sin, you know, my former sinful acts, you know, they keep representing themselves um, when before Christ I could do whatever I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, right? I could just go for it. You know, David, come over today, oh, okay, maybe two o'clock, right? I'm trying to <laughs> surrender to God. And so I need to really understand what that means. Does that mean total robot, right? What does this mean, surrender to God? I could take into account my um, earlier actions and then I can definitely look at those and come to the conclusion that some of those that were disrespectful, dishonoring, and got me through my disobedience um, in trouble. First and foremost, I might not want to continue in that vein, right? You know, but I don't even really have to figure it out. I need to follow the spirit. Each one of us will follow God's spirit, okay? Now, this might sound, well, how do you follow his spirit? I'm saying it again. He talked to you this morning. Before you got up, you were unctioned to read your word or do something, right? This is how the spirit leads us. And he's not demanding. It's like a GPS. If it tells you to turn left and you missed the left, it just recalculates and tells you kindly, turn left up here and come back, right? That's indicative of this spirit of ours. But he will lead us into all truth, right? So, um, <clears throat> um, back to my recovery issues. A new person that would attend recovery meetings at church and then invite, well, I knew a person. Um, well, let me say this first. Um, my desires to go and party or when I'm looking at TV and I see what looks like, the sitcoms always show you the... They show you the dinner table. They don't show you the dirty dishes. It's all set up to just, you know, you just see all the fun, you know, and the delight. But they don't show you the work in the background, right? And so um, that's just how the world advertises to the people of the world. And we were once the people of the world, and so that advertisement was attractive to us. But you know yourself that you got to wash them dishes and if the food was real good, you got to scrub the pots because, right? See, I don't do all that. They're sitting up at my house right now, piled up, you know, just playing. And so all I do is say, I'll need to buy some more dishes, you know, and go out there and throw, throw them in the mix. So, but, but the point, the point is, is that there's work to enjoy life. It costs us something, Right? And real life, the, the life that God has for us, does cost us something. But it's a light and easy yoke. His burden is light and easy. Help me is what I want to ask. Help me serve you. Help me actually be a blessing to you, pleasing to you. Help me call from you names I can't give myself. They'll be fraudulent. And just because you feel some way about me doesn't mean he does. So you need to be the pinnacle of what I'm looking for. Bless the Lord. Bless, bless God. So um, <clears throat> I had a friend that um, we worked in a recovery and then um, at a church. And, um, <clears throat> and what would happen is um, the friend if, it would invite some of their using, I mean, recovering people over. Which is not ethical, first of all. You, you don't want to start until they have at least graduated and have some time, right, and some sobriety. You don't want to invite them over. And not only would he invite them over, but he would serve alcohol. 
Now, now, don't get it twisted. Here I am back at this alcohol thing again. Look, if you drink, you drink. Okay? This is not the point I'm making. Okay? The point I'm making is, out of love, I might want to put the alcohol away. Right? But right, for the caring concern of the person. But if I rely on my own intellect, I, I'm going to think, oh, no, uh, they, they can, a little alcohol, you know. And why would I even think that? Well, the motive of the person that was inviting the people over was substandard. It was, it was mixed. Because you can have a little drink, then you'll be the person I really want you to be. Now I can do the things I really want to do, but I'm actually being pretentious. And my come across, it's like, no, I care enough for you that I trust you at my home. No, no. And so what, what, I've, what I've come to realize is that, um, as bad as that sounds, a lot of people still today professing Christ are still operating in this vein. And so we want to rid ourselves of anything that might cause the person to stumble. Another uh, instance comes to mind where a family really wanted their uh, son out of, um, uh, to succeed in recovery. And then um, they, they got him in and everything and they helped him go through the time. And when he got out, he was discharged to their home, right? Right, to stay at home. And, they had, and he told me they had beer all in the refrigerators full of beer and they had all the drinking bottles all over the place, right? And so, um, and he told me that. And then he said, well, I told my mom, I don't think that th these are supposed to be, I'm supposed to be around this liquor. And she said, she said, this is my house, you know, <laughs> this is my house, you know, look, I'll help you, but I don't have a problem, you know. So it's like, no, you do. You have a problem because if you could ever refrain from drinking, this might be the time to do it for his sake, Right. Okay, so um, I made that point and then messed up the mic. Then, um, so um, we can operate in pretense and, we, and we, we establish and in the same way we're not saying you go through a saving process so that one day after you graduated into, in other words, the, the, the recovery, the person in recovery, our goal is, <laughs> our goal is not to get you to stop drinking now so later on you'll be able to drink right that, that, that we're going to work with you and then one day you can come toast the town with us that, that's, that's not the goal right the goal is sobriety we want you to actually think right and, and operate right and be as honest as possible and all the things that recovery will finally open the door for and it's the same with sin it's like a lot of people are believing that now that they've accepted Christ and they've come into this deeper knowledge of liberty, right? Now I can sin again because I know what I know. You get it? God is not taking us. He didn't come here to die for us. Lay his life down, get beaten, whipped, and suffer the way he did so that we could, after he rises again, now here's your sin certificates. Everybody go on and sin. I died so that you can sin. The very thing I died for, I'm granting you now. It doesn't make sense, right? Because he died for the penalty of our sin, not for us to sin again. Bless the Lord. Bless God. Okay, so that's this. Look, I'm turning into like, oh, that's that old heart. He just don't, he, you can't do nothing. It's not true. You can do something. Just don't do it and me see it. Just no, no. No, I don't care. You can do something. We, we do stuff, right? Plus the Lord. All right, so I think everything we do needs to make sense in step with the spirit we're following. Because out of love, I might not want to do what I'm able to do because it might affect someone else. And so out of love, I refrain, I resist, okay? And then if I can't resist, I'm asking that power to instill in me the power to pull out, okay? Bless the Lord. So um, there's some reform that's accompanied with the prison relief release when you get out of jail. 
So, however, with God, the heart is desperate for anything merely suppressed. In other words, they may get away with what they're doing privately, but in their heart, they're still imprisoned. In other words, look, for some, how would I put it? We were set free. We follow Jesus who continues the work he started in us. We were set free to follow Jesus by his spirit. We don't say we're now free to do an act in private. So there's another condition. If it's sin and you're doing it in private, guess who's looking at you? Right? Because nothing's private to God. Right? So he didn't, he didn't set, and this is a problem because people want to congratulate real prisoners. You know, they get out and they haven't done anything else and they're reformed, they're back in society, they're working in this and that. Okay? That's a good thing. Right? They're, uh, they're not returning, right, to prison. But then there are those that do. Right? They're not following the prescription. They got out, they were t- released, whatever the case may be. Right? But what God is, is saying, that true freedom from any incarceration is following me because you weren't, re- you weren't released in the sense that your time was up or you escaped. He delivered us. It was a rescue. He rescued us from prison. And in order for us not to go and be bound in prison, we have to follow this same person that's rescuing me from this sin and that criminal behavior and this idea and that thought. He's going to deliver me all the way home safely. Bless the Lord. This is how it rolls. It's not a, okay, I'm free now. Now I get to make my own choice, my own decisions. I'm back at it. Before you know it, you'll be with Pound Puppy and Hubba Bubba and and Do-Rag and all of those guys. You'll be right back with them, right? I love those names. I had, those are my friends' names. Bless their hearts. But you'll be back with them, right? And it'll make sense because we need his common sense, his thinking. Bless the Lord. So, um... My scripture that I've waited for is 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Um, what were the requirements to entering into the Holy of Holies? I mean, there were some things that you had to do. You had to cleanse and wash and prepare and all of this kind of sort of stuff, Right? And stuff. Now, of course, we can just walk right in now. But I'll tell you while you're there, <laughs> you're going to be cleansed or you're wasting your time. It's, it's like, no, God is purifying. He's a purifying. You can't come into his presence. You'll die. Right? So he wants to purify our hearts and minds. So he's calling us a priesthood and priests had something to do. Their part was turn that stinking thinking over to God. Turn my thought life. Look, take every, demolish my thoughts. If I demolish my thoughts, that means that I'm going to take that same thought that I thought would be good to show this recovery person a lifestyle that he could achieve. See, that's my thought. But deep inner, in the inside of my heart, then I can have them after they get drunk. You get it? We don't go that far to examine that. We push it to the side. It might come up that there might be something wrong with my thought. It might come up, but I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to ignore it, and I'm going to bring them with the, under the pretense of help. We demolish arguments. There's an argument that's taking place that I'm avoiding. Right? The Bible is saying you demolish that, that argument. Demolish it, meaning bring it to God, because I'll show you. I don't have to tell you all about it, but you'll get this unction. No, they ain't coming over. You go home and clean your dirty dishes. Right? They just sitting there. (laughs) You get it? A big old pile of go home and wash your dishes. That's the last thing I want to do. 
But the first thing I want to do is, Lord, give me a desire to wash them dirty dishes. Right? I mean, consider what I'm saying. It would be more fun to entertain and get praise for my big house and, you know, and all my liquor and all of this and see, and you can have this too. You can have liquor one day. How about today? Right? Think about it. Think about what I'm saying. We need to examine our hearts. Quit thinking highly of ourselves. And think, because we have that same nature that of the person that I just, right? It's still there. There's still the fallen nature and the new nature. They coexist. Right? So it's not just picking on some one person. Lord, examine my heart so that I don't sin against you. This is what's about to happen. I'm about to sin against you. Right? Bless God. So, um, the desires of my heart aren't totally pure, but they're being purified. So, the thing that I can do to help in this process, to be a part of the process, is to turn my thought life over to God. If my thoughts were pure... I wouldn't have to be um, uh, chasing somebody blew their horn at me too many times. And before I knew it, I was in back of them tailgating, holding down the horn. Right? Look, who who, who am I? (laughs) You know, look, what if Gerald saw me? Or some, uh, oh, pastor or uh, preacher David. Right? Here's the minister at the church. Right? Is that him holding the horn down? (laughs) Chasing the people? Is that me? It wasn't me. Quit looking. No. We are, uh, we are capable of all kinds of, all right? And look, so we really, we need to take ownership for what we're dealing with and the way to get delivered from the way we deal or respond or retaliate is to give these thoughts and our imaginations to God, Right? Bless the Lord. Um, um, I'm able to do some things during this purification process. Again, I can take my thoughts captive. What does that mean? Am I able to capture my thoughts? It says, no, take them captive in Christ. It's like, there's one, Lord. Okay. Oh, there's another one. Right? Why am I thinking that way? Get that one, Lord. In other words, let me really turn over to you what's going to be the motivation for my sin in a minute. Okay? Let me turn that over. Right? And that's what he wants us to do. So, uh, I can first examine my thoughts in the word, in God's word. Am I really free to live my life the way I please? Can I really go to and fro and gossip? Um, in rage and lust and deception and greed and benefit from God's transforming power at the same time, it's not likely. Um, I'm holding up progress. Um, and the body is waiting on me. Um, because God wants us to invest in each other. We're totally dependent on each other, right? And, and so he wants us to get it. So we don't have to have identical sins and lusts, but we need to be giving our issues to the Lord. Okay? So, um, I could have swore I put, um, are we still here? Um, I know I did. I sat right there doing it, but it's not there. So anyway, I'll just have to give you analogies. Are Are we still crying to the Lord? To give us the wrong things in life. All right. Right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, whining. (laughs) Can I just one more? Just give me one more. All right. So, so look, what we want to do is present our case to God. I share all the evil that anyone else has committed because if it weren't for Christ we would all be 
destined to the same hell, right? Um, if it weren't for Christ. And so what I want to do is I want to confess to him. You, you get it? It's, it's kind of like you, you might want to know what you're confessing. You don't have to know it all. But if you could use history to see yourself, right? Look, even before you were saved, because a lot of people are going to tell you, you don't have that to worry about. That's in your past. Well, the penalty for my sin has been taken care of. But those past actions are very present, okay? Because I'm still feeling the same drive. I want to do the same things. The um, mirror, it, it, the, the, the objects in my mirror are closer than they appear, okay? They're not way away. They're, they're, they're gaining on me until I take my issue to God, right? And this is what he wants us to realize. So um, there was Jesus talking to um, the lady caught in the act of adultery, and he said, well, go and sin no more, right? Do who accuses you now? No one. And Jesus goes, well, go, go and sin no more. And, and then um, you, you think, well, look, he set her free. He did. But the scripture doesn't say, go and sin no more until after I've been crucified. And then you can sin more because I'm going to give you sin license. Right? The same, the same, so he didn't, the same in recovery. I don't, I'm not, I did not, you didn't go through this recovery process so you can drink again, right? So we're not going through this, right, to sin again, right? He tells the other guy, the guy at the pool of Bethesda, he, he goes, okay, well, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. But he didn't say, well, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you after they beat me and hook me up to the cross and I come back alive. Then you can sin again. You get it? It's, it's not, this is not the narrative. But somebody somewhere has spent this narrative that now, you know, now you're free in Christ to act a fool. And it's not true. What you do have is grace from God for the mistakes right? This, the grace is important to understand, but it's not a grace license for you to go and continue in sin. Who dies for someone so you can get back up and, and go back to jail? I mean, it just doesn't make sense, right? How can we get past that? We ask the Lord, examine my heart, right? This thought I'm having, it looks pure, but you can see in it. Right? Bless the Lord. So, Christ sinned so we could be set free from the penalty of sin. Imagine that he suffered all that he did and then came back handing out sin licenses to everybody. Go get busy. Now you can enjoy your sins. Before, you would, you would feel condemned. Now you're free to sin. You want to cut somebody? Go cut them. You, you know. It is, <laughs> all right. It's bizarre, but it doesn't make sense, okay? So, <clears throat> just say, for instance, today's analogy day. So, say, for instance, um, you're the landlord of an apartment complex, and then um, you're watching TV, and then you see these guys are under investigation. The police are looking for them because they have robbed a bank. Two armed men have robbed First National Bank. They tore through the neighborhood, smashing into cars and hitting light poles, and officers are on the lookout, and the mayor promises, we're going to get these guys. They'll be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. So, as the landlord, you're concerned. You're worried about your tenants. So you place signs all over the building. And you put the newspapers downstairs in the foyer so that they can read the incident, Right? And you've even gone as far as to call the tenants and you left voicemails for them and everything, right? Telling them what happened. These guys robbed the bank. So uh, you've done all you can to warn them. But <clears throat> you pass by, you pass by um, Geraldine's house and you pass by Geraldine's, uh, her, uh, what do you call it? Her house. Her, her condo or, or whatever. You pass by and, you, and, you, and the door's cracked and, and you look in and she in there and the robbers are in there and they just having a ball, 
right? Just <laughs> throwing money all over everywhere, having a ball, you know. And so now you're concerned about Geraldine, you, you know. You in there with these people I've been telling you guys about, you know. I'm devastated. Um, <clears throat> I don't want anything to happen to you, and I don't want anything to happen to the rest of the tenants in the building, right? And so you point out the information, but the tenants, Geraldine and, and her friends, she, she insists, well, I looked over it. It's not a big deal, you know. I looked at this and that, I, you know. I, I look, well, even when I gave you a lease, you said you wouldn't let strangers in the building and they up in your house, right? You don't know them. I know them now and they got lots of money. And so, and I don't know where they got it from, but I'm having a good time and it's not that bad. Because according to Geraldine's heart, her standard is, this is okay. Sometimes things we like, like a lot of money or whatever, the sex or whatever, will make us think crazy. You know, and, and, and so, and so <clears throat> what could go wrong? If things start to take a turn, then we'll ask them to leave. This is Geraldine. Right? But I'm managing this. I got this. You the landlord, true, but this is my unit. This is my unit. I got this, right? So she then told me off. You're the landlord sent me back. I can't do much. There's a process. See, and you know how she is. She just like that. You go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so anyway, so, so, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that I'm a killjoy in her eyes. But <clears throat> when you're trying to justify simple choices by looking immediately in your heart, what we may not do is look for scriptures to resist the sin pull and we'll look for those that validate sin that seemingly validate what I'm doing what if Geraldine said oh preacher man you know it says here in Deuteronomy be kind to the strangers and the foreigners right you, you, you see what I'm saying so she found something to justify <laughs> these guys okay as the landlord, I'm privy to the nature of these guys because I saw it on the news. But God is different. He happens to know more than I saw on the news. He knows that these guys are murderers. They murdered their own household. They murdered people, a whole household, their mama and daddy. Then they went to rob the bank. And on the way, they killed up people on the street deliberately for the fun of it. But when they got to Geraldine's, they were kind and gave her money. And helped her wash the dishes. They sat around and enjoyed each other. God knows that that sin or those sinners were more than what Geraldine could see. And so it is with the thoughts in our hearts. God can see that sin full grown leads to death. Right? So what started out as just an unction or a thought or something that looked manageable, God is saying, that's going to kill you. It's going to destroy you. I don't want you to entertain it in your heart. Right? This is how we have to look at it. We need to look at it from God's point of view, from a pure, from an eagle eye. Okay? We have to look at it with God's eye on it. Because we can all fall into this category. Because we're limited. We can't say, look, it looks good, feels good, and it's manageable. Sin looks manageable, but it's always growing into a fire. A it, that's what it does. It's a snake. A snake does what it does. When it bites you, it's going to say, you knew I was a snake. That's it. Well, you're right. Sin is the same way. It, it graduates. Bless the Lord. So 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we demolish arguments. Did God really say? That's an argument. We need to demolish it. He didn't say we have a license to sin. He never said that. Christ didn't die to provide us sin certificates. He said we demolish arguments. Right? Okay. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. 
so I can go to and fro. God's got me. He's with me everywhere I go. My wife is with me everywhere I go. But when we down on Fisherman's Wharf, she looking and winking at men while my back is turned. Doing all kind of gestures as soon as I turn around. Right? I'm with her, but is she with me? Right? So all this about, oh, God's with me everywhere I go and this and that. No, look, <laughs> he's not a fool. Look, I only heard about what you do behind my back. God saw it. He sees it all. Bless God. We demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. While God can see you inside the Humpty Dumpty and down at the Hoochie Coochie, he can see in there, okay? So while he can see you down at the clubs, right? Don't lie and put it on God that that's where he hangs, okay? He does not hang there. If God goes there, his motive is to rescue people from hell. Bottom line, okay? I might say I'm going to rescue someone. I had another friend just boasting it on Facebook. I'm going to go to the party and be sought in light. He was all arrested and drunk after the party. You get it? There was no sought in light. He didn't examine his heart. He went down to the party to party. What's wrong with going to the party to party? I would say you have the freedom to go to the party and party if that's where the Spirit is leading you. However, he's got us. You can dance at my house. We Christians, right? I can go over your house and eat. Or whatever the case may be, we can hike together and all of this kinds of sorts of stuff. I would just as soon not go down to the Humpty Dumpty. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? So, look. You go down there if you want to. Look, we got a minute left here, okay, on this planet. And God wants to reward us for what we've done. Some of the stuff we've done is resisted sin. There's a reward for that. You know that? It's not just that you were charitable or helped the old lady across the street or any of these kinds of things while you were saved that he's going to reward you for or shared the gospel and all of this. You're rewarded for resisting sin. Who gets a reward for that? You get it? Okay, well, that don't look like sin. Is it going to turn into sin? Did you ask me? Did you... Did you ask me about those two guys that robbed the bank? You didn't even know they robbed the bank. Your eyes are all fixed on the money. You're right. They're not only bank robbers, they're murderers. But they're here, taking up residency here in your heart. They moved in, and you welcomed them. And then you fought against God and told God, no, there's other scriptures that, that justify them being here. The foreigner. Be kind to the foreigner. Bless God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You want to lay out? <clears throat> Act a fool? If you go with believers, somebody's going to tell you you're going too far. So if we're drinking together, and then the next thing you know, Donna's drinking and then smacks Beverly upside the head. <laughs> then Barbara's going to say, well, you're going too far, Donna. You might want to stop drinking. Right? So now I am not, I, I had, a, well, I didn't. I had a drunk problem, but they told me if I, if I drink alcohol, I'm prone to use because I'll get too relaxed. I didn't believe them. I never thought I had an alcohol problem. And to be honest with you guys, I don't believe still today that alcohol was my problem. But I do believe that the people that were going through recovery knew better than me. The ones that had years and years and years, I listened to, right? So you want to be around people that are in Christ, that have years invested in this, that know what they're talking about. And then you look at their lives and you see is there some truth in their lives. Not just that they have Rolls Royces and Mercedes, 
But are they able to resist the pull of sin? These are the people we want to associate with, right? The day I come over to, um, let me pick somebody else. Come over to Shirley's house and Shirley, oh, come on in here, David. <laughs> We're going to get our guns and, you know, and load guns and go out and shoot people in the neighborhood. This is not, this isn't the Christian that I'm, look, she might have accepted the Lord, but it might not make sense for me to go hang out at Shirley's, right? Now, it might make sense for all of us to hang around with Shirley together like we are here now. Right? But we are all growing. And we're all throwing in the towel to sin. And if it was easy to do, we wouldn't need God. And the way to do it is with God for God. Because he's going to enable us to overcome the pull of our youth. Which was sinful. Right? Bless the Lord. Romans 8, 35 through 39 says, What can separate us from God's love? Neither height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons. God's love is found in Christ Jesus. Don't step outside of Christ Jesus. What can separate us from God's love? If we step outside of Christ Jesus, you get it? We're following his spirit. It doesn't mean he doesn't still love us. It means that we're running away from his love. Right? It doesn't mean that he doesn't still adore us and won't seek and chase after us. But there's a time limit on us here. There's a time coming that, okay, it's either heaven or hell for some, or rewards or chastisement for others. And when I say chastisement, I mean you will not enjoy the benefits Janetta will enjoy if she served the Lord in full capacity and you didn't. You understand that there are rewards in proportion to what you've done for the Lord while you're saved. So a lot of people believe that they're, while they're not saved, they believe that they can enjoy God's rewards for doing good and kind things while they're not saved because they're a good person and that these rewards will garner them entry into the kingdom. It's not true. Only the blood, right? Only the blood of Jesus. But there's still these two. Okay, you want something where you're going to live forever? You have time to work for it now. This is the place and the time to work for all that stuff that you used to be enticed by. The money, the gold, the treasures. There will be commerce in heaven. All of those things. In other words, heaven is not just, I say this all the time, it's not just clouds. And a heart and angels and little cherubs. That's not what it is. It's a new earth without the sin, right? With the new Jerusalem coming down, a city we can enter into that's gonna be everything beautiful to party and enjoy and drink, and you won't get drunk and cut people. It's the truth. So, so we have this to look forward to. Now, let me wrap this up, because I don't usually preach as long as some of the others. <laughs> but see, hey, I usually don't, but I got scared that I wasn't making my point. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, let me wrap this up. Um, we're a priesthood. God called us a royal priesthood. A holy nation. So a lot of people will stick to that and say, look, this is what God called me. And so I can't do anything wrong. Even when I'm sinning, it's not wrong because God has called me chosen. Right? It's an error. Right? Number one. But if I had, like, <clears throat> in my own natural state, if I had, like, kids and they were, and G. Keith kept asking me, how your kids doing and stuff like that, and I know they're away at college and stuff and you know I'm telling him oh doing great they're doing great but then when they come home they all raggedy and drugged out and looking crazy I might sneak them around the back of the house because my neighbor G Keith is looking who's that who who's that coming in David's house 
he don't even recognize him. They grew up in front of him, right? Just toe down, okay? <laughs> so this is how we were when we came to Christ. We were, we were really in the pigsties of life, right? Right. But when we enter into the kingdom, there won't be any go around the back. We'll be dressed up in our ambassador clothes, really having accomplished something. This is what God wants. He doesn't want me to come in with a resume of all the sin I did before my salvation. And then look at all the sin I did after my salvation. Look at my resume. All because of the blood. No, he wants me to come in with fruit. Look at the souls I helped harvest. Right? Look at my son. When he talks about me, when I show up, I should look like what he talked about. Bless the Lord. Bless God. It's sin is hard. Okay? This has been our makeup since birth. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But we don't have to live according to the dictates of our flesh. Right? Bless the Lord. Bless God. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray and then um, and get down. <laughs>